Support for Unscripted comes from the Partnership for Transparency, a group of volunteer experts working to advance good governance and fight corruption in poor countries. Now more than ever, health systems face major capacity challenges in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. This makes many countries vulnerable to mismanagement and corruption as governments and aid agencies pursue ambitious programs to fight the disease. PTF's rapid response programs empower local civil society groups to monitor aid distribution, ensuring that aid efficiently reaches the people who need it most, and creating long-lasting improvements in public health systems. To learn more about PTF's work or to start a conversation about how to increase citizen engagement in your own projects, visit ptfund.org. Hi, I'm Casey Candela. And I'm Stephanie Fillion, and welcome to Unscripted. Bonjour. Today, the French ambassador to the UN leads an already tense Security Council and insists on doing the meetings in French, not only challenging the council, but also English-speaking journalists like me. This is Unscripted, a podcast taking you inside the United Nations and beyond the scripted debates to the people at the heart of it all, the diplomats and the reporters covering them. This week, for France's presidency in June, we have two top diplomats on the show to tell us what the Quai d'Orsay, the French foreign ministry, has in mind for its Security Council presidency. In this episode, you'll hear an exclusive interview with France's ambassador to the UN, Nicolas de Riviere, who started as ambassador less than a year ago and is now stuck in his diplomatic residence in Manhattan during the New York City lockdown. We also have Gérard Arrault on the show. Arrault was the French ambassador to the United Nations from 2009 to 2014 until he was transferred to Washington as ambassador. He retired last year after a few bumpy Twitter controversies and now works as a consultant and political commentator in New York City. Arrault is known in the diplomatic world for his franc-parler, French for outspokenness, so stay tuned to hear what he has to say on the state of the world right now. But first, let's get to know the French ambassador to the UN. He's relatively new to New York City, but now he knows it in a very unique way. As he told us, he hasn't been outside his apartment for a month. He was posted in New York before, but under different and arguably better circumstances, from 2005 to 2010 as the French mission's political coordinator. In that role, he supervised important political files at the mission. Ambassador de Riviere has also been posted in Washington and The Hague in the Netherlands. But the one career achievement he's most proud of was in Paris. He played a major role in the negotiation of the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, as Director General of Political and Security Affairs at the Ministry for Europe and Foreign Affairs. I was a negotiator of the JCPOA, uh, which is by the way now a little uh, fragilized. But it was a fascinating negotiation. It lasted basically 13 years or 12 years. I did the, the very end, the last two years. It was really a strategic negotiation. It was, it was an issue of paramount importance. It remains an issue of paramount importance. We achieved a pretty good result in 2015. And uh, the good thing is that this agreement was implemented and worked. So, and it's still working. Uh, at least for a part. 
And this experience is still at Ambassador de Rivière's heart in the Security Council. When he got to New York, he tried hard to hold a meeting between Iran and the United States, especially during last year's General Assembly session in September, when the U.S.-Iran tensions reached a new high. That did not happen, but with heightened and during tensions between Iran and the U.S., it's probably good for France to have an ambassador in New York knowledgeable and influential on the Iran nuclear deal. But the ambassador has a lot more on his plate for France's presidency this month. Before the pandemic, June was supposed to be a big month for the U.N., June 26th marks the 75th anniversary of the signing of the UN Charter in San Francisco. In lieu of an in-person celebration, the event will be commemorated by the Security Council and the UN digitally. And we at Unscripted are also preparing a special episode for the anniversary. Another thing France wants to prioritize in June is French. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the Council has not had its usual translation services. This means the ambassadors who are not native English speakers have had to read all their statements in English. But now that he is in the president's chair, Ambassador de Rivière says he is going to host UN Security Council meetings en français. With diplomats already overwhelmed with adapting to digital diplomacy and translations still not widely available, we asked him why it was so important to him to lead council meetings in French. Historically the language of diplomacy, French is one of the UN's official languages, and one of the two only official languages of work of the Secretariat, used for internal communication along with English. We also wanted to know how Ambassador de Riviere intends to make it work technically. I think uh, nobody would change the fact that the, the COVID-19 pandemic has multilinguism as a collateral damage. Because moving to a video conference, it makes it difficult to use interpretation, etc. Now, I must say, New York has not given the best example. Other organizations, whether it's UNESCO, FAO, uh, OSC, and many others, have been able to use uh, interpretation for video meetings already long ago. So uh, New York is late. We have been pushing for that. And... Uh, For me, as a representative of France, this is not negotiable. So I will chair the Council in French in June because it's a working language. I, I just want to be clear. Uh, everybody will understand the public meetings will be in French. Private one will continue to be in English because we need to be pragmatic and realistic. But the public meetings will be in French. And I will chair in French. I will give the floor in French. I presume everybody will understand And our statements will be distributed in English at the same time, so nobody will be able to say, I don't understand. It's very simple. All private meetings and consultation will continue to be the way it is now. And the public session, I will just, you know, speak in French. Instead of saying uh, good morning, I will say bonjour. And instead of saying Germany at the floor, I will say l'Allemagne à la parole. And Everybody will understand, uh, they have the floor, and my speeches will be in French, but the people will receive it in advance in English. But Ambassador de Rivière is not the only French ambassador to have a francophone agenda for the presidency. In fact, former Ambassador Arrault is the one who advised him to do so. And so the French really, when taking the presidency of Security Council, have already announced in a very French way 
that no way they will do it in French. Arrault's decision when he was ambassador to the UN to hold meetings in French comes from a key moment for council presidents, the introductory press conference at the beginning of the month that helps set the agenda. Most of the time, this takes place in English. When you are the president of Security Council, you make a press conference announcing your program and what will be the high points of the presidency. So I was going to do it, and suddenly I realized that in the press office, there was no translation. So I was going to do it in English, and suddenly I saw the first rank all the French uh, correspondents. And, well, somewhere I said, no, I can't. So again, I didn't make my press conference. I waited, we waited for, for the interpreter. But what is the most striking, and which is very French, is that I received after that from France uh, dozens of letters of congratulations, uh, including from three ministers, uh, which didn't happen for any other activity in my, in my professional life. So I know the commitments of the French citizens to their language. But other than La Langue de Molière, France won't have its signature events like other countries do, as June's agenda is already pretty full of mandate renewals and recurring agenda items. Ambassador de Rivière talked about an African focus month with discussions and mandate renewals in Mali, South Sudan, as well as the Congo. Then there are the recurring agenda items on Syria, Yemen, Afghanistan, Haiti, and the Iran nuclear deal. We'll be right back. Unscripted is supported by Fordham University's Master of Science in Humanitarian Studies, an innovative program dedicated exclusively to the theory and practice of international humanitarian response. Built on social justice values and humanitarian principles, this 30-credit graduate program will prepare you with the skills you need to launch or advance your career in humanitarian action. Evening and online classes are offered at Fordham's Rose Hill Campus in the Bronx, New York, as well as at the Lincoln Center Campus, located in Midtown Manhattan. Applications for fall 2020 are being accepted on a rolling basis. For more information, visit fordham.edu slash mshs. Now back to the show. With such a packed agenda, it seems France's goal is simply to keep the council afloat. France, along with Tunisia, has also been working hard for months to get the council to agree on a resolution to support the secretary general's call for a global ceasefire during the pandemic. No resolution has been approved, and hopes are low that anything will. And Ambassador de Riviere doesn't hide his discontent. I must share with you my frustration. Uh, I'm very, very disappointed that the Security Council has not been able to decide on this pandemic, on COVID-19. At the end of the day, we are not asking much. We just want, you know, the Security Council to declare a cessation of hostilities on the Council on its agenda and to make uh, humanitarian access easier during three months. So it's not much. It's uh, 100% within the mandate of the Security Council. And I don't understand why it would not be uh, possible. And I don't understand why the Council has not been able to endorse that, you know, a couple of days after the call of the Secretary General on March 23rd. For obvious reasons, it had been highly politicized between 
two permanent members, which have put, you know, their concerns outside this issue uh, before this call for a cessation of hostilities. And uh, we are confronted to this uh, situation. I still hope we can uh, overcome the deadlock and make a good decision soon. Uh, so I hope it will be possible. I'm working on that with Tunisia in the Security Council, and we have not given up. So we will continue to see if there is space for an agreement. But it's very slow. It's very painful. It's very frustrating. And again, on this one, the Security Council is not fulfilling its mandate. And former Ambassador Aro is also pessimistic when it comes to the likelihood of the Council making any progress on a COVID-19 resolution. So I don't think that the fact that France will be the president will change anything. On the substance itself, basically, for the people who are listening to us and who may not know, the project is blocked by China versus the US. Basically, China wants to have in the text some reference to the World Health Organization, why the US really adamantly refuses to have it. So people forget that the Security Council is based on the agreement between great powers. While the Security Council is undoubtedly torn from the inside, the pandemic has also tested European cooperation. Germany and France have been at the forefront of multilateral efforts to fight the virus. And last year, they held a joint presidency in March and April. But they decided not to do it again this year. Here's what Ambassador de Riviere had to say about it. Last year, we had, you know, this joint or twin presidency between France and Germany. France was cheering in March, Germany was cheering in April. This year, it happens that we have Estonia as well. So we decided to have Estonia joining this group. And instead of twin presidencies or joint presidency, we have a so-called European Spring in the Security Council, starting May with Estonia, which is uh, Estonia is chairing the Council right now, France in June, and Germany in the month of July. So we, of course, coordinate a lot, both on working methods, and priorities. We will uh, make sure that uh, we uh, promote and defend European values during this European spring. In the end, you know, it's for the whole Council to take action, not just European members, but it allows uh, the Europeans to be present and to explain their policies and their priorities to the others. It's worth noting, however, that this so-called European Spring wasn't really a thing until France's presidency. Three European members of the Council, Estonia, France and Germany, were supposed to hold a press conference in mid-May to announce this cooperation, but ended up cancelling because, according to AFP, Germany and Estonia excluded France while working on another COVID-19 draft resolution for the Council. Still, the Europeans want to unite their voice and push the European agenda forward at a time when it's crumbling to stay united on the other side of the ocean, especially after Brexit. The newly announced European Spring Initiative now includes Belgium, which presided over the Council in February. So this European Spring now is sort of extended to winter and summer too. Here's what Gérard Harrault thinks of this. The challenges to multilateralism are really, really very, very strong. As I'm a Frenchman, usually I am not optimistic. It's not in my national 
ethos to be optimistic. And so far, you know, referring to Emmanuel Macron, the French president, he has always been the, an advocate of international cooperation. But in a sense, you could say also that it was he was a bit a voice uh, in the in the desert. You know, really within the European Union, there is no appetite for more integration. And and as we, as we see between countries, cooperation, it's not the first idea which comes to the minds of the leaders, but even of the people. And for some time also, if you look at beyond the, the virus, there was also, when I was on PMRI to the UN till 2014, there was also a backlash, in a sense, already against multilateralism. You know, really, they were fighting, especially fighting on human rights. Countries really basically saying there is not one set of human rights. There are different conceptions of human rights. And there were a fight, you know, really an offensive against gay rights, against abortion, and so on. Uh, we are, in a sense, we have had a, a very positive moment on multilateralism, which was after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1990-1991. And it lasted, in a sense, till the invasion of Iraq, which was the negation of multilateralism. And since then, with the coming back of China, of Russia, of, of big of power politics, in a sense, we are more in a sort of uh, a retreat. The crisis is not only a challenge to multilateralism, but for some, including French President Emmanuel Macron, it's also an opportunity. Macron tweeted that the pandemic offers an important chance to build a greener future after confinement. Climate change is usually one of France's priorities, especially after hosting COP21, the conference that finalized the Paris Agreement in 2015. So we asked Ambassador de Riviere why France is not bringing this issue forward in June. And his answer was, well, we're working on it with Germany. Here's what he said. First, uh, a very simple answer, uh, Stephanie, that you cannot do everything. <laughs> it's, uh, the month of June is already uh, extremely packed. Uh, second, our German friends have an initiative on this one. We work very well with Germany on climate change. You know, climate change is not mainly an issue on the Security Council agenda. It's, uh, it has to do with the General Assembly, with the Climate Convention, other tools. Uh, the Security Council can uh, deal with the security and peace and security uh, implications of uh, climate change and climate disruption. So it's just one aspect of the climate change issue. But uh, you will speak to my German colleague. He has an initiative on this one, a part of the European Spring. France is contributing to this initiative and it will be addressed more in July than in June. Doesn't mean that France is not interested, just the opposite. But this uh, issue has been picked with, uh, by the Germans during the European Spring, and I'm very pleased with that. That's it for our show. Merci beaucoup to Ambassador Nicolas de Rivière for the interview and former Ambassador Gérard Arrault for his insights. If you'd like to know more about Arrault's work, he recently published a book called Passport Diplomatique or Diplomatic Passport, available, of course, only in French. This episode was co-produced by me, Casey Candela, and Stephanie Filion, with help from Leontine Galois for Pass Blue, an independent women-led media site covering the United Nations and global affairs. Dulcie Leinbach is our editor, AI Digital created our podcast logo, and our music is by Poddington Bear. 
A lot happens at the UN beyond what we report in each episode of Unscripted. And Pass Blue is covering the important news, from women's rights to human rights to the Trump effect on the UN. For day-to-day coverage, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And to subscribe to our newsletter, go to passblue.com. Pass Blue's in-depth and exclusive stories and this podcast are possible with the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the New School, and listeners like you. To show your support, visit Pass Blue's website and click Donate. Unscripted is available wherever you find podcasts. If you like today's show, please rate us on iTunes and share with all your friends.